Hello and welcome to Crossview Radio, weekly podcast for Wayne County. I'm John Marino, pastor of Crossview Church in Orville. We exist to glorify God by exalting Christ and magnifying the gospel for the joy of all nations. Last week, we asked one question based on Galatians 5.16, and that question was this. If you take away my weapons, how can I wage war against my flesh? And the reason we had to ask ourselves that question is because the human tendency is to fight against our sinful flesh by using the law. Now, before we proceed, I do want to make one comment here. Uh, Moralism is bad. There is a good trend within Christianity right now uh, to embrace a view of the law that is centered around Christ. And there is a growing trend to embrace a good, solid biblical theology which really understands the grand story of Scripture. But there's also a danger that we can fall into where we become so afraid of being accused of moralism that we forsake scriptural imperatives altogether. And so here's what I'm saying. The law is not bad. On the contrary, the law is good. Grace doesn't teach us to forsake obedience. Rather, it equips our obedience. And we learn that in Titus 2, uh, particularly verses 11 to 14, that says this, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness, and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. What is it that we are told in this passage uh, that trains us to renounce ungodliness? And it's the grace of God. Did you see that? The grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce. Grace trains us to renounce ungodliness and to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives. And so, on the one side, we're tempted to preach the law apart from Christ and apart from grace, and we see that temptation especially in Old Testament uh, texts. But, on the other side, we are tempted to preach that grace means holiness is optional. Both of those temptations are distortions of the truth, and both of them threaten gospel integrity. One says that the gospel is insufficient. The other says that holiness is unnecessary. But the concern that I have for today's podcast here is how to bring these two realities together and to understand uh, how to fight our flesh if the law is not an available weapon. If I cannot use the law to fight my flesh, you know, then what is the, the means? If grace is the weapon, then how do we wield that weapon? For that, We're going to look at uh, the verse that we looked at last time, Galatians 5.16, but I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So it's really a simple solution given to us here in Galatians 5. If we walk by the Spirit, we won't gratify the desires of the flesh. But what does that mean and how do I accomplish it? Well, some might suggest that to walk by the Spirit is some kind of subjective, mystical experience Uh, Those who would tend to have more of a charismatic leaning would probably lean in this direction. But I think that uh, the idea of walking in the Spirit is something different than that. I don't think that we're commanded to be mystical uh, or subjective. And actually, the danger of that is 
that the moment that I do that, I can justify uh, literally any action as a prompting by the Spirit. All I, all I have to do is simply say, God told me to, dot, dot, dot. Instead, to walk by the Spirit is to yield to the Spirit. But how do we do that? How can we tell the difference between a course of action, which is prompted by my own fleshly desires, and a course of action which is prompted by the Spirit? And that's a very real question with very real consequences. And for the answer to what this means, I want us to look at Ephesians 5 for a moment. Ephesians 5, and actually we're going to look at two passages side by side. If if you have the ability to do this right now, and you could put these passages side by side, that might be helpful, or else even go back to them later. Um, but to look at these two passages, I think will be very helpful for us. Ephesians 5, 18 through 21 says this, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Okay. So in Ephesians 5, he specifically uses this phrase, to be filled with the Spirit. Uh, very similar to our phrase, walk in the Spirit, or walk by the Spirit. So that's Ephesians 5. Now, there is a parallel passage in Colossians 3, verses 16 through 17, which says this, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Does that sound familiar? Uh, it's the parallel passage to Ephesians 5. Both passages were exhorted to teach one another, address one another in hymns and songs. We're told that we're supposed to do everything in the name of Christ. We're to give thanks to God the Father. But at the beginning of both of these lists, we have two different things that we're told to do. We're supposed to be filled with something in one passage, and we're supposed to let something dwell in us, which is another way of saying to be filled with. So, so we're supposed to be filled with something in the Ephesians text and filled with something in the Colossians text. In Ephesians 5, we're to be filled with the Spirit, and then that list follows. Colossians 3, we're told to let the word of Christ dwell in you. And so Ephesians 5, be filled with the Spirit. Uh, Colossians 3, parallel passage, be filled with the word of Christ. And because they are parallel passages, and because they're both followed by the same list, I think that it's reasonable to believe that being filled with the Spirit uh, for Paul is the same thing as being filled with the Word of Christ. In other words, we as Christians can be filled with the Spirit by being filled with the Bible. Now, I want you to hear a quote here, um, because I think this is actually going to be a little bit of a lengthy quote. I think it's two minutes, uh, two and a half minutes. Uh, but I think it's important because it represents the way in which cultural Christianity is trying to assault the sufficiency of what we just said. Paul tells us in Galatians 5 that if we want to fight our flesh, if we want to grow in our sanctification, we need to be filled with the Spirit. To be filled with the Spirit is synonymous with being filled with the Word of God. It is to be 
yielded to the Word of God. It is to be submitting to the Word of God. It is to be uh, reading, digesting, all of that uh, with regard to Scripture. And yet there is a trend in Christianity today, a cultural Christianity, to kind of dismiss the Word of God as less than sufficient. Um, this is this is not the first time we've we've uh, had this individual. Uh, we've we've quoted some segments from. This is Andy Stanley. Uh, he was recently interviewed for a podcast. You may have heard there was a lot of debate and discussion about a recent statement he said uh, where we need to unhitch the Old Testament from our Christianity, which is absolutely uh, false in every way possible. But he explains that statement in this podcast, and so I want you to listen in here uh, into the way in which he dismisses Scripture. You know, in the first first century, of course, the, the um, apostles dipped into the Old Testament or the Old Covenant to make their point about Jesus to Jews. In our modern culture, I'm convinced, and, and you know, I'm sure there's are people who would argue with this, I'm convinced that we actually make a better case for Jesus if we leave the Old Testament or the Old Covenant out of the argument. We, Because our apologetic for Christianity and for Jesus really stands on three feet, if you can think of it like a stool. Number one, the resurrection. Um, you don't need ancient props when somebody rises from the dead after predicting it. Number two, the destruction of the temple, because Jesus predicted that, and you can go visit the, destructed, you know, the destroyed temple today. And then number three, the church. So my, the point I was making and have made on multiple occasions to our local church is that in terms of defending our faith or in terms of what does our faith rest on, we really don't need the Old Covenant or the Old Testament to prop it up like first century Jews did when they were trying to defend their faith to first century Jews who were you know, you know, um, not embracing the way or the Jesus movement. So... I do feel like if if we're going to survive the internet and if we're going to survive survive the misinformation age, and Jonathan, you you know this, and this is worth repeating as many times as we can. Think about it: a person can discover everything that's in the Bible without actually owning a Bible or ever picking up a Bible or ever reading a Bible. And when you and I grew up, that wasn't the case. It, to get misinformation about the Bible, you had to go to college or to a library. But now in our world, it's not just what the Bible says, it's what else the Bible says that undermines people's faith. So I am convinced for the sake of this generation and the next generation, we have to rethink our apologetic as Christians. And the less we depend on the Old Testament to prop up our New Testament faith, the better because of where we are in culture. And again, I could go on and on, on and on about that. But that's what I was alluding to, you know, with the phrase we need to unhitch our faith from the Old Testament. I in no way diminish or dismiss the Old Testament or the authority of the Old Testament or the importance of it. I preach from it all the time. So anyway, that's the uh, almost short answer to, to your question. Well, I love that last part there, right? He says that he in no way wishes to diminish the importance of the Old Testament immediately after he diminishes the importance of the Old Testament. Uh, later on, he says that all we need are two Gospels and 1 Corinthians. So clearly, he's going after more than just uh, unhitching the Old Testament. Um, but my point for today's podcast is to emphasize that what Stanley is doing here is undermining a number of significant passages, but, but for what's relevant to us, uh, at least right now, 
He's undermining Galatians 5.16, which admonishes us to be led by the word of Christ, which is all of inspired scripture. All of scripture is sufficient. All of it is profitable for, for reproof, for instruction, for training righteousness, all these things. It, it is that which equips us to do that which we've called to do. It's an undermining of the sufficiency of the scripture, the sufficiency of the spirit. Um, now, now, do note here, and, and I, I am saying that this is significant for, for our talk today. He is talking specifically for the Christian apologetic. So how do we um, bring people to uh, a saving knowledge of Christ? And you could definitely tell, um, you know, it's a very synergistic kind of, of way of thinking. Um, he says that we need to unhitch the Old Testament essentially because it isn't believable by our culture anymore. Um, but it has significant ramifications. I mean, for one, it evidences a lack of trust in the convicting work of the Holy Spirit and the sufficiency of the gospel for conversion. In other words, you know, we've got to kind of manipulate people. We've got to give them the right facts and we've got to prove it to them and, and, and appeal to their, to their reason. Whereas scripture actually says in Romans 1, 16, uh, that, that the gospel is the power of God to salvation, not my reasoning ability, not my ability to, to do these, these, um, you know, this stool with three legs or whatever it is, um, that, that he's talking about there. It's just the, 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 do you believe that the Holy Spirit working through the word of God is sufficient or not? And, and obviously, he's he's assaulting that sufficiency. Uh, I think another um, problem here is that it creates a Christian convert, quote-unquote, who can never get to the point to where he or she actually does value the whole Bible. In other words, if what you're trying to do is say, well, we're just going to kind of unhitch the Old Testament, and the only reason we're going to do that is just to convince people to become Christians, because otherwise... Um, you know, because we don't have to, as he says, prop up our faith with the old. We don't need to prop up our faith with all this stuff. We'll just give them the, 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 the bare minimum and just get rid of all this other stuff because it's just baggage. It gets in the way. It actually discredits the rest of the Bible, um, as he, as, as you could hear, wants to argue in this, um, this segment here. Um, if that's the way that you introduce somebody to Christianity— what are you going to do to get them to actually take the Bible seriously once they do become a Christian, supposing that there's a genuine conversion that does take place? Um, you, you can't. You can't argue this is insufficient, and now all of a sudden it's sufficient. It's not authoritative over here, but now all of a sudden it is authoritative. And so if that's the case, if you've got this person who has embraced this kind of um, diminishing of Scripture, diminishing of authority of the Word of God, diminishing of the work of the Spirit, um, it's going to have ramifications for Galatians 5.16, your sanctification. And this is relevant for today's conversation because it is only through the valuing of and depending upon the Holy Spirit's work through the Word of God that the Christian can expect any sort of substantial change in his or life. High views of God and his word lead to high views of holiness. And that's what we're getting at. How do we fight our flesh? We do it as we yield to the Holy Spirit. And how do we yield to the Holy Spirit? We yield to the Holy Spirit by being saturated in the word. One person has said we need to bleed Bible. 
We are to be a sponge which has soaked up the Word of God. To yield to the Holy Spirit is to yield to the Word. You want to walk in the Holy Spirit this week? Then walk in the Word. Be saturated in the Word. Live in the Word. Submit to, to, to the Word. Drink the Word. Stay longer. Drink deeper. Rest in the sufficiency of Scripture. But we don't get there by undermining it. And so let me just encourage us that if we are going to walk in the Spirit, we're going to need to have high views of the Word of God and not cut that off um, and somehow think that we are sufficient in our own strength. God's Word is enough. He's given it to us. God knows what He's doing. We don't need to, to outsmart God. He's, he's sufficient. Thanks for listening to Crossview Radio. I'm John Marino, pastor of Crossview Church in Orville. We meet Sundays at 10 a.m. at the Orville YMCA. To find out more about Crossview Church, visit us online at Crossview Orville.